Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the 505 Podcast. We got a one-handed crack to start us off. Yesterday at Erwan, they gave us Yashak. Make a better name, you know? Start us off with a better name, but freehand. You see a dent? That's got to be in the nines. God, that was easy peasy. I'll let you guys score it. <coughs> We're dying. I had mine this morning. It's not bad. It's good. What flavor did you get? I had mint. That one's pretty good. Yashak, huh? Yashak. Make a better name. What do you think? You know why I like it? Huh? Because there's flavor, but it's subtle. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's why I like the yerba one. I'm really happy yeah. you're back, dude. Feels good to what, be back. What is going on? You've <laughs> been, been what? Like you've been couple months for like forever. I know. It feels like it. You're a lot more tan. You got, yeah. Yeah. You're definitely more tan. You got like four oh, yeah. four shades tanner. Let's go. And I still feel like I need to be tanner. Tell me. Tell me. How was your trip? What was the What was the most fun thing you did? First of all, most fun thing. I think the most fun thing I did was we went to this club called Savaya mm-hmm. and it was probably the coolest nightclub I've ever been to. It's ever. like on a cliff. There's a infinity pool. It used to be an Omnia, but then they got taken over by like other management. Okay. And uh, Alok was DJing. He's, I believe, a Brazilian DJ. Had no idea who he was. Has like 30 million followers on Instagram. Big deal. 30. Was throwing down and uh, we were having a blast. Um Bali is sick. You like the blue water land. I do like the blue water land. Um, I will say though, the trip was great. Mm-hmm. The guys that I went with, it was basically a two week surfing trip. And mm-hmm. what I've come to realize is that it's not really how I'm trying to travel. You need some camera peeps. Uh, yeah. Like I was telling you, I go, I'm not a surfer. I'm a guy who knows how to surf and enjoys surfing from time to time. Mm-hmm. But the way I really enjoy traveling is going out with my camera and taking photos and exploring. And like the way they wanted to do the trip was, hey, we're going to stay in Uluwatu for mm-hmm. two weeks and surf morning and evening. And like it was just a little bit much for me. I didn't do every surf session with them. I would have loved to explore more. I didn't even get to go to uh, what is it? Nusa Pinita. Nusa Pinita. Yeah, yeah. The little island. Didn't even get to go to that. I wanted to go to like the custom ring guys. I wanted to go back. Yeah. We'll go we back. need to go back and do it properly. Yeah. Um, I was also sleeping on a cot cause I was like the last to book. They booked a four bedroom villa oh and I was the fifth person. I, it's kind of, you're not a cot guy, I, dude. I'm not a cot guy. <laughs> and I'm also like, I struggle with jet lag so much. And literally the first night we get there, we land, get to the Airbnb at like 1 a.m. They're like, all right, we're waking up at 6 a.m. to go surfing. I'm like, dude, can we like get like a full eight to 10 mm-hmm. hours of sleep and like- And then run the trip. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found myself kind of like enjoying it, but I was struggling with sleep. So I found myself anxious. I mm-hmm. felt like there was days where I enjoyed it more than others. I got fucked up by the reef one day. You showed me your battle yeah. scar. You came back with a nice little pretty scar. Yeah, I, I got some good waves and like surfing at Uluwatu is probably- the coolest, like one of the coolest experiences. Did you I've see had. the little Aussie babies out there? The little six year olds just fucking shredding. They're up. insane. Unbelievable. With um, the long hair. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know if I should say this, but I will. We tripped pretty hard on mushrooms. <laughs> and like it was the first time I had done like a proper trip. And 
it was crazy. What'd you see? Some fun stuff? It's not like you don't hallucinate. Uh-huh. It was just... Just a euphoric feeling? Super euphoric and uh-huh. everything's like way more vibrant and like stuff is kind of moving and you see patterns. Did and you like take any clouds. pictures? No, I okay. left my no phone te- and my no camera technology. and we, it was really funny. We went out into the ocean, mm-hmm. we were swimming and Sam found this like super smooth rock in the middle. Of we the love ocean. rocks over here. Yeah, we love rocks. And it was just like five of us standing like all together in this rock. And we were like, dude, people on the beach are probably looking at these five guys in the middle of the ocean, just like so all standing together. Like, what are they doing? But it was really, really cool. Really cool experience. Um, I just felt like I was in a video game and I like spawned to like a different world. I was like, what the fuck's going on? All the trees. Really, really all cool. All kinds of shit. I, I do want to do it again. I'd love to do it with you. Wow. Well, you made it back. Yeah. We're not, you know, we're not promoting drug use, but it's natural. So <laughs> all good. I'm really, I'm just happy you're back on the show. And we switched you out with the other guy. We let him go. He's gone now. He's off the show. Yeah. He was, he was just not, he wasn't cutting <laughs> Chase, we miss you. We're holding down the fort. Yeah. Dude, so I tried to, while you were gone, I impulsively just bought $1,000 of golf clubs. Yeah, Like two that. days ago, right? So going to Roger Dunn and, the you know, it's like Dick's Sporting Goods. place is just massive here in Santa Monica. So I walk in and the guy's like, what driver do you want? I go, that's why I'm here. So I don't know anything. So he gets me like nine clubs. There's a grandma to my left and this dude to my right. So he gets me all set up and he walks away. So he goes, just warm up a little bit and I'll come back, check out your swing. And I'm thinking, dude, I need you here like the whole time. I, <laughs> I need, need you to, to hold my hand. You to hold this my hand. Give me the club. Like get me all set up. So I go and I swing, practice swing, you know, then I go up and I hit the damn ball and it skirts to the left, like on the other side of the barrier to the chick side. <laughs> and so she's over and I'm not saying shit, dude. I'm wearing my sunglasses in the store and I'm like, Hope, yep, put another ball on, and then I hit it, and then it goes to the homie side on the right, and I'm like, okay, well, fuck that club, give me another club. So then I go through all eight or nine clubs. I'm not hitting any of the clubs well, and I'm looking at them, and I'm just feeling vibes at this point, and I'm like, this club right here is. He goes, you hit well with it. I go, yeah, it's a great club, great club. And then Jack came. I came home, and our other roommate Jack was like, what made you pick out this one? And I'm like. Well, after the nine that I went through, I mean, this is the only one that goes a little straight. So I just copped it and now we're a golfer. So this is going to be a golf channel from now on. I love that. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. We need to go hit the range properly. Yeah, because the last time we hit the range, we told you guys, Costas and I got all ready with Chloe and we get out to the range and then the range was closed. Oh, they didn't rent clubs. They didn't rent clubs Mm. and we didn't have clubs. Yeah, and we got there a little too late. Now I'm a golfer. So I love that. I'm really set up to go. I'm going to need to test out your your clubs. We'll we'll take you and it's going to be great. And they also, dude, we held down the fort while you were gone. But this specific pod, yeah, can't wait for the people to hear what we got going on. Before we get into yes, it, tell me. I forgot. I got you something. No me. way. Yeah. You're kidding. So you're pretty. You're pretty big, right? Okay. Yep. So I got you. I worked out at this gym called Bamboo Bali. It was like really sick. Nice. So I got you a cutoff tank. Oh, let's go. <laughs> It's a size large. They didn't have any smalls. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're big enough oh, to fit it. This is sick. But um, I oh, got I'm you a little take, cutoff. Dude, I'm taking this on the road trip. I'm going to yeah. throw this in the top of the bag. Yeah. So I can go get huge. It's pretty too. soft too. You're a good guy. I got you, baby. Thanks, man. Um, you got us so many nice gifts. You're the best. Yeah. And then um, another thing about Bali is the food mm-hmm. is like some of the best food I it, it's so cheap. So fresh. Every meal, it was like, yo, let's get every app on the mm-hmm. menu. Drinks, mains, desserts. Mm-hmm. I think the most we spent on a dinner was maybe like $35, $40 a person. 
and like we were eating like kings. Yeah, it was oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, great food over there. The best part about the trip is the day I got back, I had to then send it to Austin. <laughs> I was so tired and like jet lagged. Went out to Austin to um, shoot again with Loud Luxury for F one, mm-hmm. but it was a really fun forty eight hours. Like. I did did the show and like middle of the show I, mm. I go up to the tour manager I'm like I'm like dude I'm just so back like I was getting such good shots I was like we're back baby didn't miss a step you you let me borrow your Ronin while you were gone yeah and it was so fun dude it, it completely just changed my whole my whole concept of the Ronin I used to not care about the Ronin be like yeah. no the Ronin whatever dude the Ronin is a whole game changer for those of you listening this is the thing though it's for very specific situations totally. but the situations that it's good for it rips yeah and i'm super happy that you let me borrow yeah it was some so of the, fun some of the shots you were showing me were like oh the butter they smooth. were just crisp dude yeah it's it's something else but i'm happy you're back yeah. and dude let's just get into this totally let's get into this one we got this is a jam-packed episode yeah i'm really excited so when i was in bali i watched um an episode of the colin and samir podcast shout out colin and samir we're like huge fans Love them. good guys and they had hassan minaj on mm-hmm. and shout out hassan minaj and shout out babin because babin shoots for hassan <laughs> And I was watching this episode and they were talking about such great, like they were just giving away such nuggets of information. Mm-hmm. And Hassan is so, he's such a, like intellectual person and, mm-hmm. and explains things and has a perspective on and gives takes that I was like, damn, I didn't think about it like that. And he's so well at explaining things. So I was like, man, it would be so cool to share with you guys. We'll link the podcast, their podcast, so mm-hmm. you can go watch the full thing. But I wanted to share some of the things that they talked about and then us give our take and our perspective on it. This is something that we haven't done before on the podcast and we think it'd be really interesting to do with like podcasts and books and to kind of like give you guys information that we like to indulge in mm-hmm. and then kind of give our takes on it. Love it. Let's go. Okay. So they start off the podcast by talking about his special and, and the way he opens his special is he's looking down the barrel of the camera and he goes, do you want to know a secret? So he wanted to do this because he wanted to make it feel personal. Okay. And he also said something really interesting. He said he feels like the creators we watch online are the few people we make direct eye contact with. People don't like making eye contact nowadays. What is that about? I think it's we're just spending so much time on our phone and it's so easy to like... I try and make it a point, dude. 100%. I try and make it a point to look... Especially if they're talking to me. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to give some subtle nods, you know? But I thought it was so interesting because he builds that personal connection with you right off the bat. And I think that we can relate that to like being a creator. And Mm. like specifically, let's say you're making like TikToks or Instagram reels to try to build your online presence. Because I know that was one of the things Mm. that you guys one of like the previous yeah. pods you guys yeah. did was like how to grow your presence. And I think that of course, as creators, as photographers, videographers, you're going to make stuff where you're completely behind the camera and, and show your art that way. But if you want to build your personal brand and like have a connection with your audience, talking directly to the camera is so important. Mm-hmm. I think when you talk to the camera too, at first, when I was first starting, I'd be like, Oh, I'm talking to like a million people in my head. Yeah. That's what, that was what I was like thinking about. Right. And I think that that's just the complete opposite way to think about it. I think you got to think about it like it's just one person that you're speaking to. And it's just like you and this other person that is the camera. And that made it so much easier for me to also way less pressure to just talk to one. It's just like you and me talking right now, you know, talk to one person. And it's so much more of a a personable feeling because you can feel that when someone's like, what's up, guys? Like, da da da. it's not as intimate when they're talking like that. And they're like, what's up, y'all? Like, whatever. It's like, yo, what's going on? It's just one person, mano y mano. It's so much more more of a connection. I think that's why I liked uh, Casey and Christian Guzman so much. It's like, I felt like when I was watching their vlogs that I was, I was like behind the camera, hundred percent. you know, and that's, I feel like what made that connection so special. And then 
millions of people around the world also felt that way too. And it, it takes practice. Mm-hmm. If you oh, are, yeah. if you're not used to talking to the camera, mm-hmm. understand it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable at first. But the more you do it, the better you'll get. Yeah. You've gotten something I admire about you is like you've spent a lot of time making videos where you're talking directly to camera, and I feel like you've gotten really, really good at it. Thanks. I, it's so hard. I yeah. rem- I was giggling because I, I I told I told you guys right like during the pandemic, living at my mom's house, right. And I didn't have a set. My room yeah. is literally my high school room. Yeah. It had baseball shit. You've seen it, dude. It has yeah. baseball stuff. It has my wrestling medals. It's literally a high school. It looks like a pottery barn kids room, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, in my head, I remember during the pandemic, everybody's posting like content. They're telling you to like post on social. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to do it in my mom's room, like yeah. my baby room from high school, you know? So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do it in the bathroom. Okay. And it was so echoey. It was shitty. And I remember being so frustrated with like, Um, you know, I should be like making this stuff in a studio. Like I'm really good at making videos. Like I work for huge clients or whatever. And I'm like, yo, like this, this is my reality. I'm at my mom's house. And if I want to start making stuff and like talking to people and like preaching, whatever message it is, I need to do it now and take a piece of my own advice. And like, I tell everybody that don't wait till later, like do it now. Well, I wasn't taking my own advice. And then I just sacked up and started making my mom's bathroom. And now I feel like it, you flash forward and now we're at this incredible spot in Los Angeles. And like, I have you as a roommate. I have yeah. Jack as a roommate. I had Chase as a roommate. It's like, that was because though, I feel like I actually took this step and started. I totally agree. I mm. think like, and we'll get into this because there's another point that we're going to bring up later on in the pod. But like, it's so easy to get caught up and make excuses for like why you can't make something. Mm-hmm. But I-, I love the fact that you were like, you put, you checked yourself. You're like, I'm not taking my own advice. Yeah. Let me make videos regardless of like my situation, what set I have or what camera I have. Hassan starting a special off by asking the question, do you want to know a secret is what we call a hook. And if you're making Instagram reels or TikToks, this is a great strategy to like draw the viewer in by starting your video off with asking a question. You got to do it. And I think that, you know, people have the attention span of a squirrel, Mm -hmm. right? And so like, him starting off a comedy special like that is so different from what we're yeah. used to seeing. Like a guy just gets into story, whatever. It's like you, he is so calculated. I think you guys should all go watch his specials yeah. on Netflix. Like it's great. I was, I had no idea before we went and saw him because Babin got us tickets to his show. I had no idea who he was. He is so good at talking and speaking. He's so just has an incredible way of telling stories. And he also just, he hooks you in with that, right? It's like, I'm curious. I'm like, what is the secret, dude? And then he goes into this story and it's like, it's going up, down, left and right, but you're following it so well. And then he hits you with a joke and you're like, oh God, he's so good at what he does. And like, you guys can take something from that. And Samir goes on off of that point and calls it starting the video off with a curiosity gap. And they try to bring that into each one of their videos as well. So like it gives the viewer a reason to continue to watch. Okay, so the next thing that they talk about in this pod episode, Hassan gives a great quote that I love. He says, the best art to me pulls you into the living room. He then goes on and says like, okay, if I worry about if Colin is gonna understand my joke about being Indian, then I'm insulting his intelligence, which I think is like so great Mm. and so true. And then Colin goes on off of that point and it's like, your specificity makes me believe you. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Also, I mean, I think that we have to be authentic as creators. That's what makes people want to follow us exactly. and want, want to see what you're up to. It's like, if all of us were the exact same, nobody would have, there would be no levels to this stuff, right? It's like you, you see the people that like completely change demographics of YouTube, like Emma Chamberlain, for example, that style of content yeah. of like, just not giving a shit and just like her burping and like just being like her most true authentic self 
ate like people love that they ate yeah. it up they were like oh my god we're f- we're not seeing like this fake girl on instagram who's like editing every single photo she just literally woke up and is just taking us through her bedhead day of like yeah. her morning routine or whatever and it's so important it's like authenticity is always going to win i think people are craving that now totally more than ever I think that if you create something authentic, people are obviously going to resonate with it mm-hmm. more instead of making art or making content that you quote unquote think people are going to like. I saw somebody post something this the other day and I think you have to, you got to realize what people are wanting from your stuff. But I think you also have to have the, you have to have the mindset of like, yo, I understand that you guys like said thing, but you can't just always make everything for the machine. Right. You got to make the stuff for you, what it is that you like, because that's what's going to like grow you as an artist. And I think that even, dude, I get caught up in the same game of like something works well. It's like rip it again, rip it again, rip it again. And then I'm not even making the stuff that I like to make. And we get swamped into this like never ending black hole of like, oh, I got to make it because that's what the audience wants. And it's like, you have to do a good job. It's it's the hardest thing to be a full-time creator. Yeah. I, it's, it's, if you were just making stuff like on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, it's like, you have to have that that relationship with your audience of like, yo, I know you guys like said thing yeah. or whatever, but this is what we're doing this week or what. And I, I think we've done a great job of that with the pod of like yeah. listening to what people want to do, 100%. but still also putting in like, oh, this is what we want to talk about this yeah. week, you know? And being, it's it's easy to like get caught up in the algorithm and you kind of can become a slave to the algorithm. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we're going to touch on because that's something that they touch on as well, like later on in the, in the episode. Samir brings up a point that he watched an old interview about Hassan and Hassan talks about how he doesn't feel like he has an Illmatic. Like he doesn't feel like any of his old work is like that great. How Nas has like his first album, Illmatic. Okay. One of the best rap yeah. albums of all time. Got it. But then Samir, because Hassan says that he doesn't feel like his old work is that good, but Samir argues that he feels like that laid the foundation. Hassan then goes in and talks about how like at that time between the ages of like 18 to 30 before he got the Daily Show, he wasn't booking anything in traditional media. So instead what he was doing was just he got a group of his friends who were also like up and coming comedians and they would make sketches on YouTube as like a proof of concept to show that they could write Mm -hmm. and produce and put out a sketch. What do you think about doing all of those types of jobs? So I think it's like super important. Mm -hmm. And Hassan then talks about, he goes on, Mm -hmm. and he talks about owning the stack, which means um, the idea, the taker perspective, shooting it and distributing it. Mm -hmm. And I think we can relate this to being a creator. Let's say you wanna be a director and you're directing feature films. Yeah. I think you should understand how to edit a video because you want to think about the edit in mind as you're like directing and making this film. Work with the editor after. Yeah. You should also have experience of being a DP because if you know how to use a camera, you're like, oh, we should use a 16 or Mm. a 35 or an 85 instead of a 50 or whatever it may be. And you're able to make those decisions more confidently as a director. So knowing how to do everything from like writing to shooting to distributing is so important. No, I think so. And it's like, even now, right? It's like me knowing just a little bit about lights is going to help your key grip or is going to help the gaffer that you hire that day. Or even the same thing with audio. It's yeah. like, oh, I want this to sound like this when you're talking to a sound engineer or whatever. It's so important. And even, you know, as you get uh, bigger and bigger in this industry, you being able to know all of those little different jobs, it's called a, there, there's a word for it. It's called a Pareto Optimal Employee. It's basically where you're wide in a bunch of things and you're deep in one. So like mm. for me, it'd be like, oh, I, I could I could color a video, not incredible. I could edit a video pretty well. I could shoot a video really well. I can sell something. I could market something, but I'm really deep in social media or whatever, right? So I think it's really important for you to think about what is going to be 
that thing for you. Yeah. You know, you got to try a ton of shit though too until we find said thing. I love that. Well, what's the, what's the word for it? Pareto optimal employee. P- I've never heard that. P-A-R-E-T-O. I read it in a That's book. That's great. Yeah, it's a good one. That's amazing. Okay, so then also going off of like Hassan making stuff with his friends, mm-hmm. I think is such a, it's such a great point because you can do the same thing. Like you look at Hassan Minaj right now, right? You're like, he was on The Daily Show. Yeah. He's 37. He's this very famous. Success. So successful. Big, yeah. But he, there was a time where he, like, he wasn't getting booked for anything. And there's mm-hmm. probably some of you guys are listening like, oh, I'm not getting that much work, right? And and we we tell you guys on this pod, like, don't wait for the opportunity to arise. You look at Hassan, he's the perfect example of it. Like he mm-hmm. was literally making YouTube skits and putting them out. Like what's stopping you from going to make a commercial, mm-hmm. even though you're not hired from yep. it, a beverage like your Bamante, you're like, yep. oh, I got this product at Whole Foods. Like, mm-hmm. let me go make a commercial about it. And then, you know, you make not just one, a couple of them and, and, and put your work out there. And like, that's how you get work in the future by showing proof of concept that you can do something. You're so right. And I think that too many people don't do this. And I, dude, I'm a sucker for this too, of like sitting around bitching and yeah. moaning about an opportunity not coming to me. Or I see a person get a great opportunity and I'm like, why did they get said opportunity? Yeah. Instead of sacking up and being like, what can I do to create it for myself? Totally. You know, how can I, how can I make my own luck? I don't think yeah. we're doing that enough and we're waiting for those opportunities to come to us instead of being like, okay, if I haven't hit anybody up, well, if I hit up 50 people, yeah. that is a huge step forward, not in the same place. Because I think you got that Casey Neistat video that's like eight seconds long of what life is about. Yeah. If you stay stagnant, you go backwards. Yeah. And if you keep going, that, that's all you can do. Yeah. That's all you can do. You can either go forward and try and do things. They're going to make you closer to said goals or you can stay stagnant and you'll go back. And you'll watch as people start leapfrogging over you because they're putting in that work. You know? Yeah, and it just allows you to to practice more. So next, Hassan talks about this phrase that he was told one time. He says, don't forget the power of the PDF. And by that, he means it doesn't matter like what you're shooting the special on or all the like intricate details that go around it. If the idea is shit, if the jokes on paper aren't hitting, Mm -hmm. if they're not good, if the idea isn't good, none of it matters. And I think we can relate that to being a creator. Like Mm -hmm. we're all so caught up in like the newest camera, what gear we have, all these excuses for why we can't create something instead of focusing on like, is the idea is what I'm trying to say good and is the story in which I'm telling good and going to resonate with people? Yeah, I remember in college, like I would make stuff and I had the same exact thing. I'd be like, this isn't of the quality of the guys at USC or South Carolina. Like, oh, it's just because of my camera. Yeah. And it wasn't just because the camera was because I wasn't a great filmmaker yet. I wasn't a great editor yet. And so instead of going and like actually looking at my work and being like, how can I get better? I was just simply being like, no, uh, it's just writing it off, you know? And I just prolonged me getting better at a faster rate because I was like, no, it's like, it's all these other factors or whatever. Yeah. Instead of being like, let's work on the idea. Let's work on the story because the story is everything. Like y- you can, you can also think about this too. Like when you go see a video that's shot in like super eight or that shitty, whatever, sure. like a shittier quality of video, yeah. but the story's there yeah. and it hits so hard and you're like, oh, I should go make a VHS. It wasn't the VHS. Yeah. It was the story that totally. made us want to watch it and like was engaging. That was just an aspect of the video. I think Casey is like, 
the best example of it. Yes, dude. He never had like the most cinematic mm-hmm. shots. Most of his most of his shots were like canted angles. Have you seen his tweet? Do you know which tweet I'm talking about? Where he says he's like, I don't. Be-, he was sending it to someone that was going to work for him. He's like, I don't believe in color grading. I don't believe in color correction. I don't believe in fancy effects. I don't even believe in any sort of fancy title. I want it to be Helvetica, not because I like Helvetica, but because he's like, it's the simplest form of text and it will get the point across. And he's like, when you strip all the fancy bullshit of video and you just put a raw hard cut video with a song under it or whatever and you're just telling the story he's like that is creativity right there it's not all this other random shit and dude that goes back to the people that don't have the a7s3 don't have the canon c7 don't have access to twenty thousand dollars worth of gear it's like it never was about the gear yeah it was just about what you were doing to tell said story literally the fanciest edit i think casey ever makes in one of his videos is like a whip pan <laughs> yeah I know. and he's like one of the most successful creators yeah. of all time so and that just shows right it's about the idea it's not about whatever whatever thing we use to help us make the idea happen exactly you know so then hassan continues to explain about like these sketches that he was making and he was talking about one sketch in particular indian spider-man is okay. like a, an idea that he had it was like if Spider-Man was Indian, like he wouldn't even get out of the house because of like his parents. Okay, okay. It's really funny. Uh, he said that he had a thousand dollars in his bank account when making this sketch and he spent $300 of his own money to make it. And when you only have a thousand dollars to your name, $300 is a lot a of money. a ton of money. And then he goes on and explains that the set alone to produce the special was $1.6 million, which is a shitload of money. ton of money to fork over. And who, who knows how much Hassan Minaj is worth? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, regardless, $1.6 million is a significant investment. But he said he believed in his show so much that to him it was worth it. And I think relating that to like what we do, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a, a piece of spec work that you want to make or just as an artist, you're like, I need to make this yeah. said piece. Don't be afraid to invest in yourself because the pieces that are like, mean the most to mm-hmm. you i think you're gonna see the return mm-hmm. think of a think of a guy like danny gervitz right he's a great youtuber yeah. you guys should go check out his stuff but i remember during the past like year whatever he made a bunch of great commercials that yeah. were unpaid and he even said he's like these are just spec pieces well now the dude's directing a damn feature film he had proof of concept he's like this is what i can do and this is with one person no yeah. colorist no yeah. gaffer just literally him a friend helping him out with a reflector whatever and a piece of talent yeah and that just shows you, right? Like what if you if you go out and you make the work that you want to get paid to make and you put your whole heart, your whole soul into it, you invest into yourself. The dude is making a feature film with Matty Hapuya right now. Really? Good for him, dude. It's insane. It's so cool to see him eating. And it's like that I I, I just giggle like thinking about the YouTube videos that he was making that were spec pieces yeah. that were just ridiculous. They were so good. And now he's making a feature film because he he wanted to do that, right? He's like, okay, well, what are the steps if I want to make a feature film? I need to make work that yeah. is of the caliber of like what it is that I want to create so I can show these people, show an investor or whatever. And now he's doing it. I also, so sick. I also think what's smart about what he did was like, okay, you make the spec piece, right? Mm-hmm. But then you make a behind the scenes YouTube video about it. So it's like, okay, you have your spec piece mm-hmm. that can live on your website. Yeah. Then you also have a piece that you can make for social media, your mm-hmm. YouTube to build your personal brand, to show your audience that follows you on social. They can see what you make and then they can also see the behind the scenes and you have a piece of content for that. So, you know, invest in yourself like Hassan did. Even you could... Let's say you get hired to film something. 
And let's say you're getting paid like a thousand dollars to make this video. Hey, maybe it's worth it to spend two fifty to five hundred dollars to hire a kid Completely. to shoot you BTS. Yep. Then you can turn that footage of like footage of you shooting said piece mm-hmm. and say, okay, now I can make this into like ten TikToks of like, look at I did this spot versus shot. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe don't think about investment in yourself as just you know renting a specific mm-hmm. piece of camera gear but like maybe invest in like a kid to shoot you to like have footage showing that you're doing that and then you can turn that into social media content later yeah and i I also get wrapped up in this thing of i don't have enough time Mm. and after listening to that show right hassan didn't even get his first big breakthrough moment until he was 30 years old yeah we're still we're still far away from five years from now and you what is it you know one year from now what I'm just with you. <laughs> you. I'm 27. I'm not quite yet. Um, you, we got a minute to where we're at 30, and I think that you Feels see like it's tomorrow. You see like guys like Gary V, who didn't start until he was deeper into his 30s. Yeah. A guy like Hassan, who I think is hilarious, has it all going on, has a family, he's got the wife, he's got the kids, he's got a great special on Netflix. It's like yeah. this dude didn't even start getting really recognized for how talented he was until he was 30 years yeah. old. Like, come on, that's crazy. And we're over here like you got 18, 16 year olds, 20 year olds, 25 year olds are like, fuck, I need to get my life figured out. Mm -hmm. I need to have it all figured out tomorrow. And it's like, take a breath. (sighs) Yeah. What can we do today to try and get us one step closer till tomorrow? That's what that's all we can control. Yeah. You know, so going off of that, Mm -hmm. when he got the Daily Show, finally, he says that he signed a three month contract. Okay. Right. But then he's like, yo, my first segment, he goes like. I got to bring the fire. Like, this is my eight mile moment. Like, Mm. I got to hit the ball out of the park because, like, my livelihood is on the line. He talked about how he proposed to his wife when he was 29 Mm. and how, you know, his parents were always, like, stressed about money. And he was like, that was a big insecurity of mine. I didn't want to have those, like, Mm. financial talks with my wife. I I wanted to be good. And then I finally get the Daily Show. It's a huge opportunity. But, like, I'm not locked in. I have a three-month contract. Like, my life depends on this. And he was like, I hit it out of the park and like the rest is kind of history. Yeah. And we've talked about this a million times on the podcast. Like you get an opportunity, you will get an opportunity. You know, you might not get an opportunity tomorrow, next week, next month, but you know, you put in enough work an opportunity will arise and you got to just get on base, like do well enough for the, for the next opportunity to present itself. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's so easy with social media to just open your phone and look at everybody that's doing better than you. It's the easiest thing in the world, right? And then you get down on yourself and you're like, I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. And we really have to put on those blinders. We got to put on like those blinders and and be like, how is it again that you can just get one little step forward? Because that's all we can control. We can't control who's doing great, who's getting all these other jobs. It's like, how can I try and make the work that I want to get paid to make? Or how can I, you know, get land my next client or whatever that's going to look like for you? It's just one little baby step. And yeah. if we just sit around and hang out, we're never gonna, we're never gonna, everything's just gonna keep passing us yeah. by. Comparison really is the thief of joy. And like, it's so mm-hmm. easy to look at someone and be like, man, they're succeeding so much. But like, I mean, I guess Hassan specifically, like, you can look at him, he's 37. Mm-hmm. How I'm 27, like 10 years it, from yeah, now. Yeah, like, think about how much I can accomplish in the next 10 years. Like, it's, it's not fair for me to compare myself to mm-hmm. Hassan Minaj specifically because he's just in like in a different line of work, but still, he, I mean, it's, it's not fair for me to, or anyone to say, like, oh, he's an overnight success, whatever it may be. Like, he, the dude put in the work, but we didn't see the work that he mm-hmm. put in because you'd never see it until like yeah. the person finally blows up. They're like, oh, he's an overnight success. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hassan then goes on and he says, like, they talk about producing content 
like artistry versus producing for the algorithm. And he says a really interesting quote. He said, the problem with producing just for the algorithm is now you're producing at times for the most extreme individuals. And then he goes on and explains that like his live performances, because Colin and Samir were asking him about like making the special or making content online versus, or like the daily show, whatever it may be, mm. versus like doing stand-up in person. He was like, there's a bell curve. Like the algorithm serves for like the people on both sides of the algorithm, like the most extreme people, but going and performing live, it allows me to see the people in the middle of the bell curve and how they react. Mm, they really love his stuff. Yeah, and they just like talk about creating for the algorithm versus like being a true artist and creating just like for yourself and feeling like you have something that you need to get out. And he explains it, artistry versus algorithm. He goes, an artist is someone who has an idea that they feel that they need to get out. And then he also says, by chasing the algorithm, you may start serving that rather than your own truth and honesty. Dude, I feel that so hard because when I go in ruts on TikTok and I don't know what to make, yeah. I will just rip trends. And I start, I just know, dude, there's no engagement on them because it, it doesn't matter if you get, if you have a, if for all of you, you know, if you have a hundred thousand people that follow you, but you have a hundred likes on the photos, it doesn't matter. It does. You're not, I, I'll even tell this. This is a, this is an interesting story in, in college, sophomore year. I bought likes on Instagram. Oh, I bought like 300, 300 likes at the start of every photo. Okay. Okay. So right when it would post the photo, it would get 300 Russian bots that would like this goddamn post. It would shoot it off into more people because it was getting engagement like instantaneously. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it didn't do me any good because it doesn't matter if I have a thousand likes on these photos. It doesn't matter. Nobody gives a shit, right? If 300 of them are fake, it really doesn't matter. Same thing with followers. People that buy, I never bought followers, but people that buy followers, yeah. it's the same exact thing. If you have 50, if you have 50,000, you bought 25,000 of them. People can see that with the engagement. It's not something that you want to do. And I remember like in my head, I like rushed that process. And it wasn't until Gary Vee came around talking shit about people that buy likes and ball followers. And I was thinking about it. I was like, wow, this is this was a huge waste of money. It didn't do me any good. And now I feel like I'm backtracking because when when I stopped doing that for the three or four months that I did it, my likes plummeted. Mm. Instagram was like, oh, his stuff's shit now. I remember yeah. I had to fight to get like 100 views on a story. And that's it, it, just crazy to me yeah. that I took all thinking in my head that I was putting forward. I was just taking all of these steps back by trying to cheat the system, by trying to get there faster than what I was intended to do. Yeah. You know, and now I, I take huge pride in knowing the people that watch our stuff, knowing the people that listen to our yeah. stuff, engaging with that audience. And like we now have a community that specifically listens to this pod that we know. Yeah. We know the people that are listening to it. And it's like it might have anywhere from you know, 500 to 1200 people that listen to an episode. Right. Yeah. But, it, but that 1200, those, those people are, those are squad. Yeah. It's not a bunch of random ass people that are just like, you know, I would, I would like to think that if I met a pod and I have, I've met pod listeners, like yeah. we talk and we know each other, we're having good conversations. Yeah. Like that is so cool. And that's because we've curated this awesome space of like inclusivity and like creation. We're talking about all this cool stuff. It's just really awesome to see. Yeah. And the messages we get about the pod specifically, like, you know, we're not making money from the pod quite yet. Yeah. And and maybe we're not getting like a million downloads an episode, but you see those messages from people and you're like, all right, we're doing something right. Like we got to keep going with it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you guys sending us those messages. You have no idea yeah. how happy. Like I literally today I woke up. I was like, Costas, pod message, baby, let's go. And I read it out loud yeah. in our apartment and it made us so happy. Started off the day well. So it really, we really appreciate you guys. And we know that you guys got our backs because we got yours. I'd also say like, 
you know, it's easier said than done, but try not to get so caught up in the numbers. I wouldn't say like neglect them a hundred percent because they matter. The numbers allow you to yeah. to dictate what people are resonating mm-hmm. with, but it's not the only thing that's important. And um, I'd argue like even specifically, like I'd argue that like comments are more important than likes. Completely. I remember I made like 50 TikTok. This is insane because I only prolonged my own success with this. I made a completely when I first got on TikTok in the summer that of like 2019 in the frat house basement, me and Kyle making TikTok videos. I vividly remember that um, I posted like 20 videos, the edits that I had. None of them got more than 10 views because I neglected the pl- whatever. So then I was like, fuck it. What's going to do well on this app? Skits. So I completely made this whole character and like we were running with these videos. They got up to like 40,000 followers. Well, then I was like, dude, what am I doing? Like, yeah. I'm not going to be the next Trevor. I don't want to be the next Trevor Wallace. Like, mm. I don't want to be a comedian. I don't yeah. want to like make skits about frat guys and then like rise that, you know, do that thing. I was like, I need, I, I want to be a creator. I want to be known for being a creator. So I literally woke up and stopped. Po- I posted every day for like months and months, like the whole pandemic. And then I yeah. just stopped and I was like, I'm making a completely new account. And it just passed the other account two weeks oh, wow. ago. So it's great because I, w- I was just prolonging that though yeah. by like making this account and being like, oh no, like they don't like video stuff. No, that was the that was the market telling me you have to change something yeah. and me just not listening to it and being like, fuck this. All, it, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Yeah. And I just prolonged my own success. That's really interesting. Yeah, it is crazy. Samir then goes off of Hassan's point and he talks about how they say, or they call it, the artist versus distributor. Okay. And he goes on and says, to do this job as an online creator, you have to be somewhere in the middle. You have to have something you authentically want to say, but you have to also think about performance and how it's going to work. And Hassan goes off of that point as well. And he's like, I have to humble myself. I'm very lucky to have gotten to a point where I'm financially okay. And I think I resonate with that. And I think we can all resonate with that as like, obviously we want to eventually reach a goal of like financial freedom and, and getting to a point where you're all good financially to the point where you can say no to these jobs that like you're doing just for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. But when you're first starting out, you're not going to only be doing jobs that you're super, super passionate about. I think we've all been there where we're doing a job, a freelance gig just for the money. And you're like, fuck, I really don't want to do this. But like this money is either going to help me pay a bill or help me invest back into my business, buy camera gear, whatever it may be. I mean, I'm guilty of it myself personally, like on social media, taking on brand deals and promoting products that maybe I didn't believe in 100%, but it's like, you know, at the time I'm like, I kind of need that Mm -hmm. money and it it makes you feel kind of like grimy and not so great about it because I was like promoting something that I didn't 100% believe in. But like, I think every creator goes through that struggle of like, fuck, I'm doing this like just for the paycheck. Yeah, dude. I remember when I was starting out, I had a little bit of an opposite mindset of, (laughs) I remember once I got the ducks job, anyone that would come to me for a video, if they weren't hitting like a pretty high number, I was like, no, I don't, I don't need that. And I called my cousin and we were talking about it and he's like, oh, how's your business going? Like da da da. And I was like, yeah, I just got offered for this like $500 video, but I don't do those anymore. I'm at a thousand now. And he's like, oh, you're at a thousand now. And I was like, yeah, that's the new rate. And he's like, okay, like you got more than 500 bucks in your bank account. I go, no. And he's like, then you should do the damn video. And I was like, he's like, you don't have to post about it. He's like, but you need to help grow your business, right? Right now you got to do whatever it takes to like help grow that business and you need cash flow. And I was like, shit. 
this guy's right. Like, I don't have to publicize this, but I did need to just sack up and do some of those jobs that I didn't really want to do. Totally. And that I didn't have to publicize to help me grow the business. And that yeah. allowed me to invest in all the camera gear and just keep on going with all this stuff. 100%. And Hassan talks about how he took like a Samsung Galaxy commercial. <laughs> and he talks about how he used that bag to fund the special. It's so insane. like, you know, maybe you're doing stuff that you're not 100% passionate about or mm -hmm. like don't 100% believe in. But like if you're using that money and that bread that you're getting to invest back into yourself yeah. to then propel you to a point where you are able to do stuff that you only really care about. I think then it's like, okay, that's fine. So then Hassan at this point in the interview kind of flips the script and is like, okay, so what with your guys' show, Colin and Samir, like what is one of like the North stars that you guys have? Like, what's your why? Why do you guys mm -hmm. do this? And Colin talks about, he says, it's about talking to people and seeing how they did it. So now that there's another roadmap to draw inspiration from, which mm -hmm. I think is like super interesting. And I think we can relate that to what we do or really what anyone does. Like yeah. if you're inspired by someone who's in the same field as you and you kind of study their story or study their work, mm -hmm. you can draw from what they do and get inspired by them and yeah. like start incorporating it into your own work. But like you have to be careful as to like not copy. Totally. And I think you can you can use those um, the trials of somebody else and say, oh, OK, he did this and that worked. Let me take one of those things that worked and go find another guy that I liked that yeah. crushed it in this thing. And I take one little thing from him. And now I have all these different W's from these people that I've yeah. studied and looked at their stuff like study. That's how I learned how to edit. I reverse engineered the whole thing. I didn't learn from like Premiere specific from YouTube tutorials. I learned from downloading other people's work and mm -hmm. like timing on my phone, their cuts and being like, okay, well this guy does it in 1.8 yeah. seconds. So why does it, why am I more captivated by this and not the five second guy or totally. whatever, you know, you can do that with all these different things. You can reverse engineer how you're going about whatever field it is that you're in currently right now. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel. No, not at all. And, and for example, like, Okay, a creator that I think we all love and are inspired by is Sam Colder. Like yeah. he was the forefront of like travel films on YouTube back in like 2016. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, there were so many videos that came about when he started gaining notoriety and popularity of people basically just like ripping his style off. But mm -hmm. the thing is, like you're not going to do Sam Colder better than Sam Colder does Sam Colder. It's a but compliment. You, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But what you can do is like watch a Sam Colder film or video and say, oh, I really like this one thing that he did and incorporate it into your video. But, you know, it's okay to take one or two things from, you know, different individuals. But as soon as you start taking like more than one or two things, you draw the line of like copying someone's style. And that's when you're then not authentic to yourself. 100%. At the end of the interview, they are giving advice to upcoming creators. And Hassan has a very specific piece of advice, which is keep your burn rate low. And then he talks about how like his, you know, he leases his car, he didn't buy it and he doesn't drive anything too fancy, whatever it may be. And I think that's so important. The worst thing you can do when you start making more money is to like treat yourself as if you're making more money. Mm -hmm. If you start making more money, still treat yourself like you're making what you used to make mm -hmm. and, and don't increase your expenses because you don't know, you know, how long that said contract's going to last. Or like if you have a client, like it's not forever. Mm -hmm. um, you may have months where you make more than other months. So especially in a line of work where as freelancers, you don't really know where your next check is going to come from. It's so important to like live within your means. 100%. And I mean, <laughs> I realized that when we moved out here, yeah. it is so expensive to yeah. live in Los Angeles. And it's like, you really, <laughs> you see all these people on social media, like, dude, some people out here are getting their parents to pay for their rent. Yeah. So you got, you got to just like, 
You yeah. got to worry about your lane, stay in your lane, do what it is that you can control. And dude, like you said, like we got to create depth with the audience that we're trying to build. We yeah. don't care about, if you get a million views on something, who cares? That's awesome. Like congratulations. Yeah. But like, if you don't follow it up the next few days, it's over. It yeah. died. Like that hype died, you know? So it's so important to be thinking about like, what is, what's going to help you, you specifically continue on to the right path, continue on to the right trajectory that you're, you're going for. Yeah, totally. That's something that, that was like Samir's piece of advice. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Just like creating depth versus width. And he goes on and says, he's like the creators who will succeed in the future will create depth mm. and width is the number of views and followers and depth is your connection with each one of those viewers. And so I think what we would like to leave you with to finish this finish it. is to give you guys kind of like maybe how to build depth with the audience. And mm -hmm. I think there's three key things that you can do to build depth with your audience. And the first one is to provide as much value as you can to your audience without expectations. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest thing to do that second yeah. part without expectation. Gary V jab, jab, jab right hook he's not like asking you to buy something from him on the first time that you know whatever he's not trying to sell you yeah. a book right off the bat he's like if you like it go buy a book yeah. whatever you know the second is stay true to yourself and i think it's so easy to see something that's working for another creator on tiktok or instagram whatever it may be and be tempted to do that exact thing because you're like oh if it works for that person it can work for me but if that's not true and authentic to yourself it's not going to work for you and last last on the list i think you got to find out what it is that you really are passionate about and how it is that you're going to find that is by trying a bunch of different things it's totally. like our buddy you know we have so many friends on here that talk about how they're doing super super well really well they're crushing it but they still feel like a little bit lost and yeah. it's like okay they don't maybe they're not as passionate about said thing anymore and they've all gave us the same advice it's like I have to try new things. I got to yeah. go find out what it is that I want to put my time and my energy into. And we got to audit that about ourselves. We got to think about that and go into that. Dude, I'm so happy you're back. Me too. Thanks for hopping on the pod, baby. My pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Send the pod to a friend. Drop a comment down below and we'll see you guys all next week. Peace. Bye.